I think one of the things that I'd like to clarify is what unschooling actually is. Because we, ta- we talked about unschooling a lot, but we didn't actually clarify okay. it. Like a, like a better definition? Yeah. So for people that are listening that don't know what it is, it's allowing yourself or your child to choose what they want to learn about. So it can look very, very different. And I think one of my favorite examples are five-year-olds that are into dinosaurs. They rival paleontologists sometimes. It's absolutely incredible the passion that they can get into with dinosaurs. I have a daughter that's super into cars, and she could be driving, to, you know, sitting in the car next to me when we're driving down the street going, and that's a this, and that's a that, and that's a this, and I don't see those things. So that is just a little snippet of what unschooling looks like. So it doesn't look like the subjects that we're used to in school because learning flows organically all in different ways. And I feel like that's a shame that school is set up that way with this is your English class and this is your math class and this is your history class. And I know a lot of schools are trying to combine things like that more, but it still is in our mentality. And that's just unnatural, especially because really... Everything bleeds together. One of my favorite examples is Minecraft. I was one of those parents that was never going to let my children play Minecraft. So I was like, absolutely not. And then Virginia Tech staged a Minecraft opera with live singers and live musicians with their uh, coding department doing Minecraft. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And that was sort of how I, that was my gateway drug to Minecraft was this Minecraft opera. And once I got in there, it was amazing to see what was happening. And of course, I only saw the math and the geometry parts, right? And I had a son that was a hesitant reader, shall we say. And when six years old came around and seven years old came around and he wasn't reading the way I thought he should be reading, I was kind of losing my mind. And then when he was eight, which is a very natural age to learn how to read, actually, especially if you're not in school because you don't need to be taking tests. So learning how to read when you're eight is fine. And I looked over and he was sitting in a chair and he had an iPad and he was reading Minecraft Wiki because he wanted to do a redstone build and he didn't know how to do it. And I said, what did you learn how to read? <laughs> I didn't do anything. And he he said, well, I've always been reading because it was very natural for him. And he had to figure out how to get to Google and how to search for it and how to find the thing he was looking for and then translate all that knowledge into what he was doing in Minecraft. So unschooling is very much that natural, what you learn just by being alive. And then you sort of take it and run with it as a parent, as a support system. So when my son was super duper into medieval weaponry, that wasn't the most fun for me, but I got to learn a lot too. And we got to go to some cool museums that I had never would have ever chosen in my life. So that's actually a benefit too, because it expands your world. And that's one of the criticisms people say about homeschooling. Well, how are they going to learn something if they're not not exposed to something that they wouldn't want to learn? But it goes for us, too, you know, and then they learn from us as parents. I mean, your young people in your life are learning about podcasting just because you are doing it and you talk about it as part of your life. And my children aren't musicians, but they go to concerts and they know about music because my husband and I are also musicians, too. So that expands the world. And that that lifestyle is so different than just saying, all right, now we're going to sit down and do English. 
Now we're going to sit down and do math. And the other thing about it that I love is time expands or contracts as you need it to. So at Embark, we have a class schedule and they start at 10 or they start at 11. But sometimes it goes, a 10 o'clock class will go to two because everybody's really deep in this discussion. And it's really, everybody's in that zone, you know, that flow state. And then we'll have other classes that people just stop going to. It's not doing it for them anymore. And then we just let it die and we can take it off the schedule and we can put something else there. So you get to work on things or be learning in a way that doesn't have the bell schedule that is really nice. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, I think that you have some strong examples, which which are good. And I think that for people who are hearing this and are hesitant, it's one of the reasons that I ask, you know, you, you sort of answered it without me asking, but how much of your formal education do you use? And most people, if they're being honest, they'll tell you it's very, very little, you know, and then you turn around and you say, okay, so of all the people who attend college, you know, how many graduate? It's just over half. It's not enough. And then of all the people who have a college degree, something like 60% of them have a job unrelated to what they actually majored in. And so it doesn't mean that formal education is bad or that we can't adapt it to make it work. But for people who hear what you're saying and go, but I don't get to just do whatever I want throughout my day. I have to go to work and do these things. Yeah, you do. But if you're being honest, the stuff that you're doing, you didn't actually learn about in school. And even if you have a degree, it's probably not in what you're doing. And even if it is, most places spend the first six weeks retraining you anyway. Like, you know, and it, it, again, it doesn't mean that, that school doesn't have a place or a purpose. But for anybody who I think hears it and immediately goes, well, I don't just get to sit around and play video games. Well, no, but you also don't sit around and write papers about the War of 1812 or, you know, do Algebra 2 every day because most people don't do that. So, you know, the, the, whatever perceived problems people might have with the student choosing it, uh, if we really look at it carefully, you could have some of the exact same concerns about what you're doing in a public education setting. Like, you're just not going to use that much of it. And it doesn't mean that you can't learn it. It just means that maybe we need to adjust the priorities a little bit. We can't we can't treat every subject like they're equally important for every kid. If we're all honest as adults and say, what are you actually lose, using from your schooling? And for most people, it's literacy, numeracy, and the soft skills, social skills, and, and things like that. Um, and if, if we were more honest about that, it would probably be a lot easier to make purposeful change in the way we do this. Yeah, that's good. We, we probably should have done that definition earlier, but I can I can edit that and move it around. I think that's great. So with all of the additional sort of PR work that you're doing, both in terms of just direct support to parents and people in the community, but also getting your name out there and and helping people to get more familiar with the ideas of self-directed education, unschooling, homeschooling, et cetera. And it's probably unfair to bundle them, but at least in the beginning of the conversation, we have to do sort of traditional school and a little bit of everything else, even though that's probably not a fair way to, to actually group things. Um, what has been the, the response? Like, what, what are you hearing from people who are coming into contact with the extra information that you're putting out? So a lot of people are just confused and they're overwhelmed about what to do because there are so many choices. So when you were just talking about homeschooling and unschooling and bundling it all together, there's also Montessori schooling and classical conversations and Thomas Jefferson style of schooling. And a lot of people are going into Facebook groups and Yahoo groups and onto the internet to try and get information. And then they get there and it's just a plethora of choices, which is really overwhelming for people. So that's our big one that we're noticing. 
Every now and then we get people that actually know about unschooling that contact us. That's actually pretty rare. Most of the time it's people that just are looking for something much different than what their child was experiencing in traditional school. So they're trying to find something that works for their person individually that they weren't getting. Now that was before coronavirus. Now coronavirus, it just it has that sort of panicked free-for-all feeling like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So we're here to talk through that with people. And it really is confusing. The biggest question we get is, well, how do I know if I'm using the right curriculum? And, you know, the easiest answer is it's the curriculum that works best for your child. So whatever your child's learning style is or what they want to be learning, that's the best curriculum for your person. But that they still are in that school mindset. So I can also say things like, well, why don't you go to your school (laughs) and look up what your school's curriculums are? Because a lot of school districts have that posted. But that's our big one is what do I do? How do I do this? Yeah. And I'm just guessing, but I feel like a lot of parents probably don't know where to begin because I think in a way we've and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but in a way we've kind of compartmentalized a little bit. And so I think a lot of parents have this mindset that my kid goes to school to learn there, like learning happens in school, which is true, ideally, but right, learning should happen everywhere. I just think that maybe a lot of people have intentionally or unintentionally fallen into the mindset that other people take care of my kid's education. And so now when they're starting to question it, and, and to your point, before coronavirus, some people were questioning it just is school working for my kid now you have a lot of people saying is online school or this hybrid plan going to work for my kid and so people are questioning it but maybe not in the same way they normally would or i don't want to speak for you but maybe not like in the way they should be questioning it right like i'm I'm, all of a sudden everyone is trying to reconsider all their options as a result of an emergency where maybe this was a bigger sort of philosophical issue in the first place and so when people don't know what their kids have been doing then it's really hard to decide what they should be doing in the future, right? Like, are you seeing, I don't know, maybe this is a too broad a question, but are you seeing a difference in that mindset between say people who contacted you a year ago versus the people who contacted you yesterday? Like, are people right now more confused about this, less confused? Just trying to take like a temperature of like, how's that going now? Um, that's a really good question. And for one second, I want to just bump back to one thing that you said that was really important. It's not just over to figure out what kind of curriculum to do or how I'm supposed to do this or to make sure my child is learning kind of thing. What you said was that uh, people are under the impression that their child goes to school to be taught by someone else. Now, all of a sudden, that burden is on them and they're working or they're not working or they're trying to find a job or they're caring for their family or they're caring for their parents or they're caring for somebody that's sick. And that's all of a sudden, this is a huge burden on people. And it's... It's one of the things that we talk about a lot with self-directed education is that the burden of learning really falls on you, the individual that is learning, and the rest of us offer support and guidance to get there, right? So the parents, unfortunately, now feel all this pressure and fear that they're going to mess it up, that they're going to do it wrong. So that's, that's one of the definite things that we're hearing. So for people that are reaching out to us, yes, there's a total difference. Usually people come to Embark in 
in a sort of crisis. Their, their child was at school. It was not working. Everything they tried was not working. And this was one crazy option that they wouldn't have considered normally self-directed education. My kid gets to pick what they want to learn on and they can create their own classes or they don't have to go to class. So that is, you know, it's, they've usually gotten there after a lot of thinking about it in trials and tribulations. Or sometimes we get people at Embark that have been unschooling their whole lives and they just want more socialization or they want more of a community that's consistent. Now we're getting people that are like, I don't know what is going on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, I don't know what's gonna happen in the school in the fall. Is it gonna be part-time? Is it gonna be full-time? Are we doing virtual? Are we not doing virtual? I don't know what's going to happen. So you look good. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you, you might have a sense of what you're doing and it, yeah it's like people are been tossed into the deep end and they're grabbing for anything that might float um which is exactly is, right <laughs> which isn't an unreasonable response but i also think that when people make these decisions out of desperation or panic um that makes it hard on everyone it makes it hard on the parent it makes it hard on the student it makes it hard on the school it makes it hard on a self-directed learning center. I mean, no one is necessarily going to be set up to do their best when everything is being treated like I'm just trying to put out fires, you know what I mean? And um, in, in your experience just recently, I guess, as you've been having people say, you've been giving access to videos, you've been doing more public talks, there, there's that outreach. Do you feel like that is working to maybe calm people down, whether they choose school or embark or whatever? It, it is, is it creating a little bit more assurance for them that they can make a decision or navigate the situation? Absolutely. So we started doing webinars and live streams to support people with this, and they do come in there with so many questions. Even right from the beginning, like how do I file a notice of intent or how do I know if my child is learning or what about testing or what about this? And then when we're able to answer the questions and it really works nicely in a group format because people ask questions that you don't necessarily think of. Right. So when we're able to answer those questions with other people there, it really does help. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback, even if they don't choose Embark, even if they don't choose self-directed education, even if they go to the whole webinar and they decide, you know what, I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to give this a go, at least they feel like they have more of an educated decision about what they're going to do. Yeah, and and I think that's an important part is, you know, I, I say this in class a lot, students always want to throw out at me at some point, you know, knowledge is power. And I'm like, that's ridiculous because knowledge on its own is just inert. It does nothing, you know, like used well, knowledge gives you options and options give you power. Like when you can make choices for yourself in your life, that's having power. And so yes, knowledge can create some options for you, but it, you can't skip the middle step and expect that just knowing a thing is going to do it. And so maybe in this case, just knowing what the alternatives to traditional public school are, aside from going to a private school that's the same thing with the tuition, right? I mean, you know, what what are the other things that you can be doing? At that point, regardless of what that family might decide, they've gone into it with their eyes open a little bit. Like you knew what your other options were and whether you make a good, bad or otherwise decision, you made a decision. Like you actually saw another choice. If you don't see another choice, then you just feel cornered. 